Amen. All right, check this out. Hey, one day this rabbi, this Hindu, and Joe Biden. <laughs> serious, serious. They're all traveling together in a car, right? But unfortunately, they run out of gas. Right? It happens all the time. So they're forced to stop at a farmer's house for the night, right? And so the farmer, he told them that there's only two extra beds that he's got, and therefore one person's going to have to sleep in the barn. Well, the Hindu guy, he pipes up first. He says, hey, I'm a humble guy. Uh, I'll, I'll go sleep in the barn. So off he goes to the barn. But just a few minutes later, the Hindu, he knocks on the door of the house. He says, hey, 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 there's a cow in the barn. There's a cow, and it's against my beliefs to sleep with a cow. So... Right, the rabbi guy, he says, "Oh, hey, I'm a humble guy too, man. I'll, I'll go sleep in the barn." So he goes out there to the barn, and but a few minutes later, here comes that rabbi. He's knocking on the door of the house. He says, "Hey, hey, there's a pig in the barn, and we don't do that pork stuff. I can't sleep with a pig in a barn." So there's no, well, get this. So then Joe Biden was forced to sleep in the barn, uh, but a few minutes later, sure enough, there's another knock on the door. It was the pig and the cow. <laughs> You know it's true. You know it's true. Right? <laughs> but you know what I like about that one? That's one of those jokes that you, it's got a surprise ending, right? You don't get it until the very end. <laughs> and believe it or not, did you know that Joe Biden's not the only one headed for a surprise ending? He needs to accept Christ as Savior. But so are all these world leaders we saw last week who were trying to take over the planet with their new world order. Psalm chapter 2, we saw last week, God's on the throne laughing at them. But what's that? He's going to have the last word. It doesn't go well with them. They're going to have a very surprise ending. Watch how it goes. Revelation 14, 20. They were trampled in the winepress outside the city, and blood flowed out of the press, rising as high as the horse's bridles for a distance of 1,600 stadia, which translated as this, their blood was four feet deep for 200 miles. Surprise! You're never going to defeat God. This is the seven-year tribulation, folks, and it's not a joke. The Bible says it is going to be the worst. Jesus said it. I didn't. Matthew 24. The worst time in the history of mankind. So horrible that God didn't just keep it to just seven years. The entire human race would be destroyed. Okay? And believe it or not, folks, one of the signs that's getting close is turn on your TV. The Israel-Hamas war that's going on. It is not by chance we're seeing what we're seeing, folks. Okay? And so far we've been seeing why is it happening? Because God told us. This is what's going to happen in the last days. First of all, there's an issue, a conflict over the land, which is ironic because it shouldn't be a conflict because the Bible says that it's God's the earth and all he is in it, Psalm chapter 24, and he gave it to the Jewish people forever. It's their land. There's no conflict. But that's one of the reasons why that's happening today. The second one is it's going to give rise to what Jesus also said in Matthew 24, that all nations, but does that include America? Yes, all means all. All nations are going to want to hate, persecute, and kill the Jewish people. That's what we're also seeing, folks, even from professing Christians or churches. It's coming out of the woodwork. Not only that, last time we saw a world conflict, that Israel would not just have a conflict over the land and they, they expose people's hearts as anti-Semitism, but they would become, as Zechariah prophesied, quote, Israel become a cup of trembling a burdensome stone for all people. And this is what's going on. Our people with this conflict, because if you notice, each week is what? It's getting bigger. More nations are getting involved. Ah, and what do people do? It's, it's fearful. A cup of trembling. Ah, is this going to lead to World War III? And it could be. That's Lord willing what we'll talk about next time. 
But the other thing is what? It's a burdensome stone. Oh, come on. How many times? Can't you guys get along? What's going on here? People just, I'm so tired of putting them in. It's the same thing. And part of the reason why that there's this conflict over there is because God said that military-wise uh, from Israel, they're going to have one of the most powerful militaries on the planet. And as we saw there, they are going to be able to consume right and left anybody that comes against them, even though they are teensy-wincy. Twenty and a half Israels could fit in the one state of California. It's smaller than the state of New Jersey. It could fit inside of Lake Michigan. Michigan with, with, with room to spare, they still have the most, one of the most powerful militaries on the planet, full-down nuclear capabilities. It's no joke. You don't want to mess with them, okay? And that's the reason why we're seeing this conflict, okay? But there's another side of the conflict that's going on, and it's not just a military conflict, as Zechariah said would happen. Uh, across the world, it's also a religious conflict, a global religious conflict uh, there in that area. And what we're going to see is uh, the reason why is because if you've ever been there, it just so happens. Now, I remember the first time I went there, I'm like, what are all these green temple looking? That's the Islam quarters, the Muslim quarters. And you just don't think about that. You think Jerusalem is all about Israel. So no. The th- world's three largest religions have their headquarters there in Jerusalem. Islam, Catholicism, not Christianity, Catholicism, and the Jewish people. Okay, and this is why there's so much conflict over there. It's not just over the land, right? It's not just a racist issue. Okay, it's not just a military issue. It's a religious issue, and it just doesn't stop, as you can see here. Let's take a look. the Temple Mount, violating, violating the holiness of this important place.
Violent clashes or what? Conflict. Do you think it sits well with the Jewish people that their temple that belongs to them, the Temple Mount, Jerusalem, from a biblical basis, that the Muslims can pray there, but you can't? I don't know if you guys went with us on our last Israel trip, but uh, both times we went there, you know what we did? We prayed anyway. (laughs) Christian rebels. And we prayed for the people, we prayed for that. And uh, But do you think that's going to sit well with them? Do you think that's going to make things better? No. no. Now what you're going to see with this is you can see the reason why we're having this war going on there, this conflict, all this stuff, it's not just a land conflict, it's not just a military conflict, it's not just a racist conflict, it's a religious conflict. If that's God, tell him I love him. <laughs> right? There's no conflict with that. It's true. I'm just saying it from the pulpit, man. You're supposed to confess. But anyway, that right? But, but seriously, it's, it's a religious conflict. Now, what we're going to see in our whole study to this is, here's the whole point, back to the Israel-Hamas issue. What you're going to see, shocker, is even with this current conflict, guess who's behind the scenes making it worse? The Vatican and the Pope. The Vatican and the Pope, you're going to see today, they want this religious conflict to not just continue, they want it to get it worse because it will give them the excuse to establish a one-world religion headquarters, guess where? Jerusalem. That's why we're seeing that, and that shouldn't be a surprise if you read your Bible, because that's what the Bible says is coming in the seven-year tribulation. Revelation 17 is our opening text. We're talking about the one-world religion harlot, Babylon the Great, and the Bible's going to tell us what that one-world religion is going to do, and then what's going to happen to them in the seven-year tribulation. Revelation 17, we're going to read verses 1 through 6, and then 15 through 18 is going to basically give us the biblical interpretation uh, of what we just read. And it's pretty blunt what we're talking about here. But Revelation 17, as we stand and read God's holy word, uh, verse 1 says this. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me, Come, and I will show you the what? The punishment of the great prostitute who sits on many waters. With her, the kings of the earth committed adultery, and the inhabitants of the earth were intoxicated with the wine of her adulteries. Then the angel carried me away in spirit into a desert. And there I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast who was covered with blasphemous names and had seven heads and ten horns. And the, the woman was dressed in purple and scarlet and was glittering with gold, precious stones and pearls. And she had a golden cup in her hand filled with abominable things and the filth of her adulteries. This title was written on her forehead. Mystery, Babylon the Great the mother of prostitutes, and of the abominations of the earth. And I saw that the woman was drunk with the blood of the saints, the blood of those who bore testimony to Jesus. And when I saw her, I was greatly astonished. Verse 15, then the angel said to me, if I only knew what I just read, I'd keep reading. Here it is. The waters you saw where the prostitute sits are the what? Peoples, multitudes, nations, and languages, right? A global religion system. The beast, or Antichrist, the ten horns you saw, will what? Hate the prostitute, the one world religion system, and they will bring her to ruin and leave her naked. They will eat her flesh and burn her with fire. Why? Because God has put it into their hearts to accomplish his purpose. Now, what's that tell you? Who's in control even in the seven-year tribulation? God. When is there ever a time he's not in control? Uh, It rhymes with never, right? Even in the book of Revelation, God is in control. These guys only get to do what he allows them to do. But that's what he says there, right? He puts in their hearts to accomplish his purpose by agreeing to give the beast their power to rule until God's words are fulfilled. The woman you saw is the great city that rules over the kings of the earth. You maybe see it if you can. This, of course, is the classic passage, one of them, dealing with a global religion 
coming on the planet. And there's others, including Revelation 13. But you're seeing a conjunction of a one-world religious system, the harlot, okay, over the whole planet, working in conjunction with the beast, the Antichrist, with the one-world government in charge of that. But at some point, the Antichrist, God's going to allow the Antichrist to be the tool of punishment, and God will allow him to destroy her, destroy this one world religious system. But the Bible talks about this woman, this one world religious harlot, rides the beast. And so at one point before God judges her and destroys her via the Antichrist, right, God will allow her to ride the beast. And so you think about that position, many would say, and I would agree, that you got this one world religion riding the beast, the Antichrist, the one world government. So at one point, this harlot is going to be not only in control of the religions on the world, but they're going to be riding the one world government system in the world, right? And if you know anything about Rome's history, the uh, the Vatican, uh, that's exactly what they want back. This is what they lost at the Protestant Reformation. It wasn't just they controlled ecclesiastical control of the religion of people in in Western civilization. They also used their religion to control the governments. And they lost this at the Reformation, and they want it back. But this is what the Bible says, that at one point in the seven-year tribulation, that you're going to see uh, an entity. Now think about this. In order for this to be getting close, what do you got to have? Break it down with just two things. Number one, you have to have some sort of global religious entity actually trying to get all religions to come together as one under their control, Number one. Number two, you got to see the same global religious entity also working and then really wanting to grab control of the governments around the world. And man, there's just no signs of that happening. Again, what do you think the Vatican, the Pope, and the Catholic Church have been working on for a long time, folks? And it's all coming to fruition. And dare I say, one of the places you're going to see that they want to set up this global religion headquarters, it's not just the Vatican, folks. It is smack dab Jerusalem. Why? Because it's symbolic to them, right? For a couple different reasons. Again, number one, where are the world's largest three religions headquartered? Islam, Catholicism, not Christianity, and Judaism. It's in Jerusalem. So it's a no-brainer that if you're going to launch a global system, symbolically, you need to have it there. You can't have it in Moscow. It ain't going to work in Beijing. You got to have it there, were the headquarters, and that's exactly what they're doing. Now, by the way, as a side note, uh, the Vatican has never been a friend of Israel. Never. In fact, they had their chance in World War II with the Holocaust. They could have spoke up. They could have made a difference, but they didn't. And that was Pope Pius XII, quote, turned a deaf ear to the slaughter of the Jewish people. But as we're going to see, they also, again, what's the three religions? Islam, Catholicism, Judaism. They're not only never been a friend of Israel, they've never been a friend of the Muslim community. But this is the smokescreen. They are chumming up with the Muslim community to make things worse so they could write in as the Savior, right? Let me give you some of this. Listen to what the Pope calls the Palestinian leader, right? This, this is on tape. This is mind-blowing. Watch this. Thousands of pilgrims gathered in St. Peter's Square Sunday to witness Pope Francis canonize four nuns, including two from what was 19th century Palestine. Among the onlookers was Palestinian President Mahmoud Abbas, who was invited to a private meeting with the head of the Catholic Church Saturday. This affectionate greeting marked the start of the meeting between Pope Francis and Palestinian President Mahmoud Abbas. They held a private 20-minute meeting and discussed the recent agreement in which the Vatican officially recognized the Palestinian state. 
Also covered was the peace process with Israel, the conflicts ravaging the Middle East, and the need to fight terrorism by promoting interfaith dialogue. Pope Francis gave a boss a copy of Evangelii Gaudium and an Angel of Peace medallion. The Pope's de facto recognition of a Palestinian state builds on the Vatican's support for Palestine at the United Nations, says Middle East analyst Sharif Nashashibi. He has made great efforts to build bridges and reach out across the Middle East. Israel has expressed disappointment at the Vatican's recognition of Palestine, but Palestinian pilgrims at the Vatican welcome the move. But even as prayers for peace were offered at the Vatican, in Jerusalem, violence broke out between Israelis and Palestinians Sunday. Jewish nationalists commemorated Israel's 1967 capture of East Jerusalem with a march through the mainly Muslim quarter of the old walled city. The violence followed events in the Palestinian territories last week to mark what they call Nakba, or catastrophe, the founding of Israel in 1948. The Vatican joins 135 countries in recognizing Palestine as a state. Analysts say the Pope's position as the spiritual leader of over a billion Catholics worldwide gives his move added significance. Uh, now, I don't know if you caught that, but did you see he met with the Palestinian leader to discuss interfaith issues? That's the code word for one world religion. Interfaith, interfaithism, interfaith dialogue, all that stuff, translate for what it is, a one world religion, with, of course, the Vatican being in control of it all. But you actually said it's on tape. The Palestinian leader, who has for years on tape, has said, we only want to see the annihilation of the Jewish people. And then what's going on over there with the mass murder of Jewish people, you call him a, quote, angel of peace? You think that's going to help? No. And then at the same time, you say stuff like this, the Vatican Synod calls for the end of Israel's occupation. And, quote, there is no longer, they say, a chosen people. And I quote, the Vatican says, Israel's existence as Jewish state has nothing to do with the Bible. What? Oh, yeah, that's going to fix the religious differences there. Right? They go on to say, we cannot speak about the promised land for the Jewish people. The concept of the promised land cannot be used as a base for the justification of the return of the Jews to Israel's and the displacement of the Palestinians. You see what they're doing? You ain't fixing nothing. You're making it worse. But I'm telling you, you're going to see they're doing it on purpose, in my opinion. Because as bad as it is now, oh boy, it's about to get worse. Because they're going to use the Muslim community to do the dirty work for them to become the excuse to get control of the whole area. And launch their one world religion. And I quote, listen to this one. We need to denounce, this is from the Vatican, the Judaization of Jerusalem. <laughs> quote, for trying to transform it into an only Hebrew-Jewish city, excluding the other face. It's crazy. And they go, oh, come on. They're not trying to really get the Muslims and the Catholics and the, and, and, and the Jewish people all working together to build a one-world system and, and have a headquarters there in Jerusalem. Yes, they are. They've been doing this for years. In fact, one of their universal temples... It's already being used. It got completed earlier this year. 
And they're combining all three religions together to come together as one. Watch this. Today I'm here at the Abrahamic family house in Abu Dhabi, where Muslims, Christians, and Jews have been coming to pray since it opened in March this year. We are going to meet the three religious leaders of these houses of worship who bring together people from different faiths to promote tolerance and religious coexistence. Since the opening, we've had phenomenal celebrations in, in the lives of people and families. We've had weddings, we've had bat mitzvahs, we've had uh, baby namings, and it really has become a spiritual center for the entire UAE Jewish community. The Moses bin Maimon Synagogue is not just a place for people to come for prayers, it's also a place for people to come with their dreams. I mean, for so many people coming from around the world who are Jewish, who now have an opportunity to really connect to to a, a Jewish community in an established place, in a purpose-built synagogue. There's just been a surge of excitement. One of the most important milestones for me in particular and the mosque is to find the number of the worshippers in the Friday prayers exceeding the total capacity of the mosque. Last Friday, for example, exceeded 1,000 worshippers. That's amazing. We want to tell the entire world that religions have nothing at all to, to do with wars, with conflicts all over the world. Our religions are found in the first in order to maintain peace, in order to spread peace, in order to achieve the welfare of all humanity. We are a community, not just Catholics, but there are also Muslims, there are also the Jewish brothers. So all of them put together, we are a bigger community. So coming here is not just to experience and practice our Catholic faith, but at the same time to go around and see the other faith, how they live. Imagine the whole world is colored with one paint. It will be such a boring place. It shouldn't be. It should, we should have the variety. We should have the differences. And I think that's what the, the Abrahamic family house is doing. It's becoming a model for the whole world that we can still live together with love and harmony. With the Vatican and the Pope in control of it all. So, already kind of dry run, see, we can all get together as one. But they need the headquarters in Jerusalem. This is really what's going on. And it isn't just that they're making it worse, because again, you're saying Israel has no right to the land on the one breath, then you're chumming up with the Palestinians, uh, the leaders who want to annihilate Israel on the other breath. I don't think that's going to fix things. But this is also why they are also meeting uh, with other Muslim leaders around the world, including Turkey, uh, as you can see here. Watch this. The Turkish leader uh, has discussed a range of issues with the pontiff, including the Syrian civil war, the situation in Iraq, as well as the global problem of refugees. Well, for more on the Turkish president's visit to the Vatican, we can speak now live with Joseph Ronan, a businessman and member of uh, Catholic Voices, who joins us now from the city of Newcastle-upon-Tyne in uh, the United Kingdom. Thank you uh, very much for being with us here on uh, France 24. Uh, these two men come from very uh, different faiths, but they're clearly hoping to find some kind of harmony here uh, at the Vatican. The issue, of course, of uh, Jerusalem. A uh, key talking point, sorry, uh, uh, in uh, Italy this Monday. Yes, indeed, and that's the issue that uh, we are led to understand brought them together uh, when this was announced in December. Uh, President Erdogan spoke to Pope Francis by telephone. And this meeting today 
probably follows on from that. Uh, but it's a key issue, not just from a political point of view, but because that city is so important to Christians, to Jews, and to Muslims. Again, it was meeting him, but over the issue of what and where. Jerusalem, because the three worlds, they said Christians really Catholic, Jews, Islam, it's all headquarters there. But so you got all this stuff going on against Israel, and then you're meeting with the Muslim leaders, who, including the president of Turkey, who's saying, we're going to get you. Uh, do you think that's going to solve anything? No. And I'm telling you folks, it's all a smokescreen. I believe they're doing it on purpose to make things worse so they could write in as saviors. And let me give you some historical perspective on that. This is nothing new. Uh, the Pope and the Vatican, the Catholic Church, has been trying to get control of Jerusalem for a long time. Remember the event called the Crusades? Right? Now, as a side note, when somebody, the skeptic, comes up against you and I as a Christian, say, oh, you Christians are a bunch of hypocrites. Oh, yeah, you're so wonderful and awesome and peace-loving and loving and all this stuff. Then what about the Crusades? You and I don't need to defend that because the Crusades were not done by Christians. It was done by the Catholic Church, which is not biblical Christianity. It was done by the popes. It is not Christian what they did, and they murdered and slaughtered all kinds of people. The whole point of the Crusades, it was a crusade to get Jerusalem back, including the holy sites. Right? That's what it was. It was a land grab. Okay? Because that's what they've wanted for all these years. Okay? But not only that, when you do the research, just at the first crusade, okay, the first crusade alone, they slaughtered 70,000 Jews and Muslims, the Arabs that were there. There's also been reports that Christians, some Christians, born again Christians back in the day, that they slaughtered them too. There's, there, it's all a smokescreen. They certainly don't support the Jewish people, but all this behavior with the Palestinians, the Muslim leader, that's a smokescreen too. They've never been. They are never going to give control of Jerusalem to the Muslims, let alone the Jews. They want it. That's the whole point. All of this is a smokescreen. That's what's really been going on. Now, let me give you some more evidence of that. Okay, uh, and it says this. There's two reasons. Listen to this article. There's two reasons the Catholic Church is now making it appear to support a Palestinian state and greater Muslim influence over Jerusalem. First, this effort undermines Israel's control over the city. When it comes to diminishing Israel's grip on Jerusalem and its holy sites, quote, Catholic officials are happy to, quote, let the Muslims do the dirty work. Second reason, the Vatican's endorsement of Palestinian statehood provides ideal cover for their own ambition, quote, to wrest control of Jerusalem from the Jews themselves. This is what the Vatican wants. Historically, they will never and have never will let Islam gain control of Jerusalem, let alone the Jews. What they really want is control over Jerusalem to make it a site for a, quote, global religion. And they even admit that that's what they want. They want to control that place. And I quote, Vatican seeks control over Jerusalem, holy sites, and I quote, Roman Catholic support of the Palestinian cause isn't what it seems. It's an excuse to ride in and control it themselves because they want to do something with that, including what's called the Holy Basin. You'll see this buzzword in the print all the time. They want to control the Holy Basin. The Vatican wants to control the Holy Basin. The Holy, what's the Holy Basin? And I quote, that's referring to the Temple Mount, the Mount of Olives, and Mount Zion. They want to control that area. And they say this, when they do, and I quote, peace negotiations in the Middle East must tackle the issue of the holy sites of Jerusalem. Because listen, there will be no peace if the holy sites are not adequately resolved. Don't you get it? Don't you want this Israel-Hamas issue to stop? Don't you want all this terrorism to stop? Don't you want all this world conflict to stop? Don't you want peace in the Middle East? Aha! We need a miracle worker. 
to bring it all together for us. And they're already saying, the Pope's that guy. Watch this. Desidero rivolgere un invito a lei, signor Presidente Mahmoud Abbas. I would like to invite you, Mr. President and President Mahmoud Abbas, to take part with me in an intense prayer session invoking God to bestow the gift of peace. Invocando da Dio il dono della pace. The unexpected invitation was extended during the Pope's recent visit to the Middle East, where he engaged in the kind of photo opportunities that Popes usually avoid. Daniel Petri of Catholic University of America in Washington says it was a bold move. If something happens, the benefit is tremendous, right? Pope Francis is the miracle worker of the Middle East. He's already seen as a maker of miracles by many of his followers. And by the Protestants as the false prophet. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> if he's not, he's working hard to get the job. What's going on here? They go on to say this. Watch this. Before territorial problems are resolved. You know, the stuff on the news. Come on. Before it's resolved, we have to assure, listen, direct quote, never again one party should claim Jerusalem as its possession. That's what's going on, folks. They want it. And they want it for a couple different reasons. One's kind of a subset reason, but i got to share this with you. I came across this in research. This is interesting. Why does the Vatican so desperately, quickly, fast as they can, they want to get control of Jerusalem? Watch this. In January 2001, Israel TV journalists secretly filmed under the Shrine of Omar, the 17th century Islamic building that's constructed over the Holy of Holies site there at the Temple Mount. The video revealed a new and massive tunnel aimed directly at the most sacred core of Solomon's and later Herod's temples. During the Crusades, the early 12th century, it is reported that the Knights Templar dug under the ruins for nine years, found a network of tunnels where the Jewish priests hid their treasures from the marauding Romans in 70 AD. It's also assumed, listen, that the original records of the Jerusalem church, what's that? The New Testament book of Acts, when the church was born, Acts chapter 2, what did they do? They set up shop because that's where people got saved. Uh, first time was like 3,000 people when Peter's sharing the gospel, right? Get saved. The early church was there in Jerusalem. That was Jerusalem headquarters, right? And then God allowed persecution because they weren't going out like they're supposed to, and he used that to get them out. But the, the original church was in Jerusalem, and they said this. It's, it's also assumed the original records of the Jerusalem church, which proved that the Vatican was not practicing Christianity as its founders of Christianity had intended, was buried in that spot. If these scrolls were made public, it would jeopardize the Vatican's legitimacy. Thus, it is imperative to the Vatican that the Jews be removed from the Temple Mount so they don't find these important scrolls. That's just a side note. Not saying thus saith the Lord, but that's one report. The other big note is they want to install there their global religion. Listen to what they say. It can't be that the Vatican just wants access to the holy sites. They want to control it, and they want something else, and that's, of course, what's going on. And they say this. They need to have certain events be played out, the Roman Catholic Church, in order to stand in front of mankind and proclaim, listen, the Messiah has returned. Of course, to the Jews, the Messiah is going to be a false Messiah, but that doesn't matter to the Vatican. Okay, uh, They're engineering their own ending to the story. This is why for centuries they have attempted to obtain control of Jerusalem, which started in the Crusades. 
In order for them to convince the world that their Messiah, the Catholic Messiah, they have to put it on the world stage, and it has to be in Jerusalem if it's going to be considered genuine. The story of this production is that the Messiah will merge, listen, the three monotheistic religions, which is exactly what they're working on, usher in peace and harmony in the world and solve the Middle East conflict that's in the news right now. The location for this production, again, is in Jerusalem. Why? Because if Israel is going to receive their Messiah, Israel, Jew, where where is it going to happen? Where was the one and only true Messiah? Jesus in where? In Jerusalem. So their false Messiah, what are they doing? Part of the trickery, they're going to do it there too. Right? False Messiah, but that's what they're up to. This so-called Messiah will insist that by having a world government as well, at the same time the world religion, then world peace and harmony will be ushered in. This will be a lie and a fraud, but this is a part of the Vatican's plan. Israel will be pressured to submit to these demands by all the world bodies and superpowers on the claim that this is the only way to solve the Middle East conflict. And in order to get the Jews to go along, they will convince them that this Messiah, having appeared for the Jews, it's also now time to start rebuilding the next temple. This is what the Vatican is after. And in order to get the Jews to go along, again, this is what they're doing. It's critical for the Vatican to control the entire old city of Jerusalem and the holy sites, quote, because it is needed for the play that they have planned to perform on the world stage. In other words, they got to get control of that area. Because the long plan is they got to gain control. They got to have some excuse. They got to have some conflict to give them an excuse to write in, create a crisis, you manage the outcome. You write in and you are the one who could bring, not just, what did it say? Not just religious peace, controlling all the world's religions. Aren't you tired of this conflict? See, we all got to come together as religion. But it was also what? At the same time, you launch a false messiah and you launch one world government. What does that sound like? That's Revelation 17. The woman rides the beast. This is what they're working on right now. This is the conflict. Right now, they are not making things better. They're making it worse, and I think they're doing it on purpose. And you think, oh, come on, the Vatican. They're not really trying to establish a one-world religion. Okay, really? I challenge you. I'm going to share with you. This is from their YouTube channel. Okay? You tell me if they're not trying to create a global religion. Watch this. La mayor parte de los habitantes del planeta se declaran creyentes. Esto debería provocar un diálogo entre las religiones. No debemos dejar de orar por él y colaborar con quienes piensan distinto. Confío en Buda. Creo en Dios. Creo en Jesucristo. Creo en Dios. Allah. Muchos piensan distinto, sienten distinto, buscan a Dios o encuentran a Dios de diversa manera. En esta multitud, en este abanico de religiones, hay una sola certeza que tenemos para todos. Todos somos hijos de Dios. Creo en el amor. Creo en el amor. Creo en el amor. Creo en el amor. Confío en vos para difundir mi petición de este mes. Que el diálogo sincero entre hombres y mujeres de diversas religiones conlleve frutos de paz y justicia. 
confío en tu oración. There's no signs. You're just Pastor Billy. There you go again. WackyConspiracyGuy.org. Uh, I'm so tired of your theories. You can just come up with this stuff to freak us out. Oh, uh, that's their YouTube channel. This is what they're doing. Well, of course, they're at the top. They'll control it all. But they're creating the last day's harlot before our very eyes. And the headquarters they want for the global site is in Jerusalem. That's why we're seeing this conflict. It's a religious conflict. And they want to make it worse to write in as the saviors. The Pope's the miracle worker. And, uh, but, but the other side of the coin is, wait a second, okay, they can desire that all they want. There's no way the Muslims and the Jewish people are going to go along with this, are they? Yeah. They've been brainwashing people into this lie for a long time, including all three communities. Let me share some of that proof with you. Uh, King Abdullah of Saudi Arabia, he says he's been planning for years to, quote, find a way to unite the world's major religions in an effort to help foster peace. He believes a new international organization will make that dream a reality. I wonder who is controlling that. The Jewish people, one of their chief rabbis, Yonah Metzger, he said, quote, we need a, listen, a united relations of religions, which will contain representatives of the world's relations as opposed to nations. So basically like we've been used to since, what, 1945, whenever it started, or 46, when the UN was started, then we have which is supposed to be representative of all the world's governments, basically of headquarters for all the governments of the world. They want one now for the religions, controlling the religions, just like the governments. That's Revelation 17. A church, a mosque, a synagogue, you know, like they already got going on in Dubai and around the world. A holy temple must be the embassies of God. We have to spread this idea to our believers, even the Muslims are getting in on it. This is Adnan Akhtar. He's like a millionaire, billionaire guy. He's met with the Jewish Sanhedrin, which is a whole other issue, to discuss how what? Muslim Jews and Christians, really Catholics, can what? Not just work together, but do what? Build a temple. The temple will be built in the seven-year tribulation. The Bible is very clear about that. Now, this is what was published on the Sanhedrin's website. Quote, we are all the sons of one father, the descendants of Adam, and all of humanity is but a single family. Listen, peace among nations will be achieved through what? Building a house of God, a temple, a universal temple where all peoples will serve. So they're going along with it too. And folks, uh, he also said the temple will be rebuilt and all believers will worship there in tranquility. Quote, the temple could be built in one year. Why? Because if you've ever been over there, the Jewish people are ready to go. They just need permission. They got the trees, uh, priests have been trained. Uh, they've been doing all kinds of mock sacrifices. They got all the articles, the clothings, the vessels, all that stuff. They're ready to go. They just need permission. Plus, with modern technology, it ain't going to take as long as it used to. But even with that, right, built in one year, uh, they said, the Jewish people says, we'll even start, Some one report says, they're going to start with a tabernacle because they can get that up quick. And as they're building the more permanent one, the stone one. Uh, and again, this fits the biblical timeline. Let's say that that starts at the seven-year tribulation. Daniel 9, 27, the Antichrist makes a covenant with the people of Israel, Right? And then maybe some of that, maybe the deal, I'm not saying that's the Lord, but maybe part of that deal is they get to build the temple, like what they're saying, right? Uh, well, at halfway point, we know that the Antichrist is going to go up in that rebuilt Jewish temple and commit the abomination of desolation. So it's got to be done within three and a half years. He said it could be built in one. So that gives them a good solid two and a half years of doing this universal temple just in time, perfect timing with the biblical timeline. Uh, even their former president said this, and this is Israel. The, uh, he discussed with Pope Francis the idea of creating a UN-like organization called the United Religions. 
Interesting. To quote what? Bring an end to the wars raging in the Middle East and around the world. So they're falling for it too. And I don't know if you guys remember, they've been working on you and I as Americans to try to go along with this one world religion, right? The Pope and the Catholic Church, they go around to all these terrorist attacks and universal places where all these horrible, egregious deeds are done, and then they use that as a platform to promote a one world religion. You remember what he did when he came over here after 9-11? Watch this. This is crazy. Rather today in this hallowed ground, the sin, the sin of unspeakable violence and pain. Avabatu, sahanao bunaktu, sahabiryam karavavahi. May God protect us. May God nourish us. May we work together. Namo buddhaya. Victory begets enmity. The, de- the defeated dwell in pain. Nake sade peston, sachon ore sabko. That truth is above everything, and the highest deed is truthful living. Makari iptohito pnevmati, oti aftonestin i vasilia tonuranon. For theirs, is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. Grant us to live with the salutation of peace and lead us to your abode of peace. the Vatican and the Pope in charge of it all. Join us. This is crazy. You remember that? Remember that? And this is what they've been doing. This is what they're doing even now. They're making things worse. They go around to all these international atrocities. And specifics like terrorist attacks, you know, because the religious differences and all this and, and whatever. And they go around and they use them as an excuse to promote a play for a one world religion. That's what they've been doing for a long time. Right? In fact, what recently just happened, I don't know if you caught this in the news, and I'm not saying that's at the Lord, but I'm going like, what are you going to use this as a dangling carrot? Right? And just in case there's a little hesitation from Israel to go along with this universal temple and give them control of Jerusalem, maybe, maybe you would say, hey, we got some of the temple articles from 70 AD. We've been hiding them at the Vatican. Um, you make this deal with us, we'll give some of them back to you. This just came out. That's not a conspiracy theory. Watch this. This is crazy. And let's get right to it. I know that this is something you've been writing a lot about, the yes. treasures of the Vatican. Um, what do you have to say as to why you really believe that it is not myth, but reality that there are treasures there? Well, it, it actually really is reality. Oh, and I have to put it just a slight dis- disclaimer at first. I have no intention to offend the Catholic Church in any way. It's not my point. I think the relations, like uh, Robert Shipman said, is uh, they're getting much better. 
But I really do, and that's to your question, I do, a lot of new things have come up lately, uh, which really do, besides the sightings that I'll mention in a couple minutes, actual first-hand sightings of things that are uh, tre- temple treasures that are in the Vatican, uh, the, head, the golden head plate of the high priest, for sure. And uh, the parochia, the giant curtain that was in the, build, the temple building, with, with a tear still in it from Titus. The tear still in it. If you read Matthew 27, 50-51, that tear happened when Jesus died on the cross. They just admitted it. This is crazy. And again, what's even crazier is, I came out of this. The New Age and the cult which thinks that a one-world religion, a one-world government, following a one-world leader is the only way to bring peace to the planet. They think it's a good thing. All the Vatican, they think it's a good thing. They take it a step further, and they tell you what's going to happen after certain people disappear and how all this is going to play out with the Pope and the coming one-world religion, right? And it's exactly what's going on right now. Let me, let me share with you some of that uh, occult perspective. First of all, they believe that what's coming... Uh, and they're expecting it soon, is what's called the New Jerusalem Covenant. Does that sound familiar? Covenant. Where? Jerusalem. The what? New Jerusalem Covenant. People say, is this the same covenant of Daniel 9.27 that starts the seven-year tribulation? Could be. Sometime soon, they say, here's what's going to unfold with the right set of circumstances. In other words, create a crisis, it blows up, and you get to write in as the miracle worker and save the day. They say it's going to go down like this. The Muslim and Jewish areas in Jerusalem will be combined into the Christian, literally Catholic uh, areas, all of them to create the New Jerusalem Covenant. The Pope will visit the combined Jewish, Catholic, Muslim sector of Jerusalem to announce that all religions should be combined in one. Again, that's exactly what they're working towards. This action will then finally break the Middle East logjam, which is what they're saying. See, you can't have this fixed until you fix the religion problem. All religions will then convene and celebrate three festivals, right? Watch this. The first one, the launch, is called the Festival of Goodwill in May and June. This will be universal festivals for all religions to worship as a sign of uh, 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 continuity. Then the next one is the Festival of Easter. Again, it's supposed to be the Christian version. And the third one is called the Festival of Wiesak, which celebrates the birth of Buddha. So they celebrate all that together in unison to show that we can all get along just like the temple in Dubai is already doing. This celebration will then create, quote, the New World Order what? Religion. Which will be the spiritual equivalent to the United Nations. Which again, we already saw in print that's exactly what they're calling for. Again, this is from the New Age and cult. This is their version of the last days. Then when the religious communities of uh, the world are thus merged, listen, political governments will hold the following conferences. Quote, they'll have what's called the Planetary Goodwill Congress. They'll have the Planetary Human Resource and Disarmament Congress. They'll have the Planetary Environmental Resource and Space Congress. And then when the three, listen, the three religious conferences and the three political businesses conferences are simultaneously held, a grand merger of all forces will occur worldwide that will move in the world in a desired direction. What's that desired direction? All of a sudden, overnight, because out of a conflict that you created, you ended up with a one world religion combined with a one world government. What's that? Revelation 17. It's crazy. Then and only then, they say, here it is, to bring all this together, how's it all tied together? You'll be able to build, after that, a combination temple, church, mosque, in where? (laughs) Jerusalem. They're already doing it around the world. 
Now that's the excuse to do it in Jerusalem. Quote, any permanent solution to the Middle East conflict would also have to see the religious portion of the problem solved. That becomes the excuse to launch it all. Once this problem is resolved, then the power and influence of the Orthodox Jews in Israel will be permanently declined. They also believe there's going to be, watch this, three types of people on the planet as these events take shape, right? As they're getting close. They're going to have three categories. Again, watch what they're expecting. Number one, Group number one is those whose, quote, consciousness have been properly raised so they can readily accept him, i.e. this false messiah that's coming, the pope, the one world religion, one world government, that they're going to bring peace to the planet, okay? Do you know anybody that would fall for that right now? Most people who go to church services will fall for this right now, not just in the world. That's category number one. Category number two is those whose consciousness have been raised somewhat, but not so high that they can readily or immediately accept him. So you got some skeptics, some scoffers. You know, they might, uh, you know, go along with it, right? But, but they might be able to accept him later after further enlightenment. Now, watch this. Number three, those who will never accept him. Those people who on the planet will never, ever accept this as it is starting to unfold, dare I say, even now. We're not in the seven-year tribulation, but we're starting to see this unfold. Now, this is from them. This is crazy. This is wild. Right? What happens to those who right now will never go along with a one world religion, one world government, follow an antichrist figure? Watch this. Uh, by the way, why can you and I as a born-again Christian never go along with this? Even though they Because it's antithetical to John 14, 6. Jesus said he is the way, the truth, the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through him. We can't go along with the one world religion because all other religions teach a different way to get to heaven other than Jesus Christ. It hands down, you can't. As a born-again Christian, it's impossible for you to merge together. So we can't do that. So what happens, this is what they are expecting from the occult, from the new way. This is what they're expecting to those people even right now who say, never will I go along with this. Here it is. Person is number three. They will elect to leave for another room. Quote, they will simply leave this dimension. Now pay attention because I work really hard on this. What, what are they talking about? Right. Yippee! <laughs> oh, you can't do that just once. Yippee! <laughs> and then you know what they're going to do? What happened to those people that disappeared? It was the aliens that got them. And just like they said, they weren't of a higher consciousness like the rest of us who will go along with this to peace and humanity. And you wonder why we're putting this out. I'm telling you, folks, it's all coming together, just like the Bible said. One guy said, I wouldn't be surprised. This group's right in the peace covenant that the Antichrist is going to make with Israel. Daniel 9, 27, that starts this whole thing again. He will confirm a covenant with many for one seven, seven-year tribulation. In the middle of that seven, he's going to put an end to sacrifice and offering on the wing of the temple. He will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out on him. In other words, he's a big fat loser. He's going to lose. And if you don't think that they're really putting all these religions together and that people aren't falling for it, watch this, another commercial about what they're really up to behind the scenes. This is crazy. We are called, as we like to say, to look into one another's eyes in order to see more deeply and in order to recognize the beauty of God in every living human being. Our advice is 
to make friends to followers of all religions. Muy importante porque la mía, mi, mi vida religiosa se enriqueció con explicaciones de él. Se enriqueció muchísimo, ¿no? Y supongo que también algunas mías, ¿no? Bueno. Fue nuestra vocación religiosa la que propició el que nos encontremos en la vida. No matter from which side of the mountain you are climbing, we should be helping each other so that we can all get to the same place. So there is need for people to make friends. Personal contact, personal friendship. Then we can exchange deeper level of experience. Honor other religions like you do your own. We need to get together and know one another just to discover and explore those uh, commonalities. That starts a process where uh, prejudices uh, go away, where new insights are born, and where basically hope is born. It's not complicated. And I would say to everyone, start with sharing what we all share, which is the pleasure of conversation. One of the wonderful things about spending time with people completely unlike you is you discover how much you have in common, the same fears, the same hopes, the same concerns. I think I'll keep it very simple. It's probably time to talk less, listen more. A universal religion. Now, let me describe to you what you just saw. Because you're seeing all major religions on the planet are salivating over this idea. They're ready to go. It's almost like they just need some some sort of conflict, some sort of excuse to just say, aha, that's enough, let's, let's institute this. What did you just see? And I quote, With her, the kings of the earth committed adultery, and the inhabitants of the earth were intoxicated with the wine of her adulteries. They're just, we got it. They're all in. They're just, they're seduced. They're just like, they're drunken with this idea that we got to have this. And then... It says here, that it will be where the prostitute sits is over what? All peoples, multitudes, nations, and languages. It's happening before our very eyes. And I believe this latest conflict is pushing that further down the line for them to create an even bigger conflict as an excuse, we've got to fix this once and for all. And the Bible says what? When these things begin to take place, Jesus speaking, lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. Amen. We're not going to be in the seven-year tribulation. Right. We're not looking for the Antichrist. We're looking for Jesus Christ. But if we see even now the formation of an excuse to make a covenant with Israel, 
to combine and create a one world religion, a one world government, then our departure is that much nearer. Because those are events that start in the seven year tribulation. So the point for you and I is to what? We need to get busy. If we're distracted, get back on track. Stay close to the Lord, amen, and get busy sharing His truth to as many as we can. Because it's that exciting, incredible graphic as you saw. We're out of here. We're never going to witness in heaven. You realize that? You know we're not going to store up treasure in heaven? We're already in heaven. The only time that takes place is here. As James say, a little wisp of vapor has gone here. To what time we have left, use it wisely for the Lord. If you get freaked out with what you see in the news, if you get freaked out with this message, you're taking it wrong. It's God's loving way to say, listen, I'm not going to tell you exactly when because I know you guys, you goof off to the very end. But I love you, and I'm going to give you a bunch of signs, including turning your TV. You don't get it unless you read your Bible. I'm going to give you signs. It's getting close. Because I'm hoping to find you living for me, loving me, longing for me, because I love you. And you love other people enough to tell them about me. That's how I want to be found. But if you're here today and you still haven't done that, please, turn to Jesus. His amazing grace. Save the rest like me. He'll save the rest like you. Right? No matter what you've done, no matter how far you stray, that's the power of the cross of Christ. That's the only way out of this mess. It's not this one religion lie. It's only through the cross of Christ. Ask Him to save you and forgive you today before it's too late. Amen? Well, hi, this is Billy Crone of Get Life Ministries, and I hope you were blessed with this study. But in closing, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple things that the Bible says. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the wages of our sin or unholiness is death? In other words, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and be separated from God for all eternity. This is the great cosmic dilemma. God who is holy and we are not, how can we have a relationship with Him? The two will never mix. Now, to make matters worse, we don't even want to admit this, even though God already knows He's God. And so God, out of love, gave us something called the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were not something to just memorize or stick on your wall or give the appearance of being a religious person. The Ten Commandments were God's divine x-ray, if you will, into our heart and soul to reveal this truth that we need to admit. And that is this, that God is holy and that we are not. We are disqualified for heaven. So let's take a look at that divine x-ray that God's trying to get us to realize. Uh, the, the Ten Commandments, the, the ninth one says, you shall not bear false witness. That's lying. Okay. How many guys have ever told a lie? Raise your hand. Okay. Well, if you didn't raise your hand, you just did. You just told a lie because we've all done that. Well, that makes us a liar. The, another Ten Commandments says that you shall not steal. Don't ever take anything without permission. How many of you guys uh, have ever done that? Well, you guys already said you're a bunch of liars. All of our hands should have went up on that one. And for being honest, God already knows. Folks, we've all taken something. We've stolen something, right? That makes us a thief. Another Ten Commandments says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. He's not just holy. Even His name is holy. Hey, folks, let's be honest. If you can believe it, even the name of Jesus Christ uh, has been turned into a common cuss word. Well, the Bible says that's a sin of blasphemy. Now we're a, a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus said, here's his standard. Uh, uh, even if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you committed adultery in your heart. Wow, so now we're an adulterer. The Bible says you shall not murder. 
And you might think, well, hey, at least I haven't done that one. Really? Again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred, wishing somebody was dead, okay, that, that's the same thing. Uh, it's akin to the sin of murder. It's just you pulled the trigger in your heart, but God sees the heart. Hey, folks, that's just five out of ten. How are you doing? You still think you're going to get to heaven on your own? You still think that you're qualified, that you're holy like God, and you could bridge the gap and have a relationship with Him forever? I don't think so. I mean, what did we just see? You're going to stand before God, and so am I. We all are. And we're going to have to give an account for who we are. Hey, hey, God, let me in. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a liar. I, I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer. I'm an adulterer. I'm a murderer. And the scripture is very clear, folks. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of God. We're in trouble. But folks, here's the good news. The Bible says that if we would just admit that, that's the first step to admit that God is holy, that I'm not, I'm disqualified for heaven. I need a savior. If we would admit that and then ask for the Savior to save us. That's what God was doing with Jesus. God gave us His Son, Jesus Christ. He took the death penalty in our place so that we could be completely forgiven of everything we've ever done and be made holy through Jesus so that we can now have a relationship with God both here and now and forever in heaven. We can become qualified. The word that the Bible uses is a word called pardon that God is willing to pardon us of all of our sins and crimes that we've committed against Him and disqualified us, that disqualified us for heaven, right? And we've actually seen this work in real life. Uh, For instance, uh, there's been people who have committed crimes, gone to court, the gavel's been passed, the judges said, hey, listen, we all know you're guilty, Uh, you even admit you're guilty, and uh, for your crimes, you're going to not just jail, you're going to uh, await in jail to go to the death penalty, And did you know that there actually is a way that somebody could get off of death row? It's called a pardon. The one in the authority, the governor, can grant what's called a pardon for that person's crimes, and they literally can go free. Not because of something they did, because the deeds are already done. You can't undo it. Not because they tried to clean up their act while they were stuck in the jail cell, because that doesn't change anything. But simply out of mercy... The person who has the authority can give them a pardon and they can go free. And did you know it's actually on historical record that there have been people who have been granted a pardon from the death penalty and they've refused to take it. And so even though the offer was there to be set free, they themselves still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, in a nutshell, that's what God's doing every single day with all of us this side of heaven. While you still have breath, you still have an opportunity to receive God's pardon. He's willing to forgive you of all your sins if you would just receive His pardon through Jesus Christ. Again, that's what He was doing on the cross. The cross was the death penalty of the day. But since we weren't there, and since we can't earn it, it's a gift from God, you have to receive that by faith. Reach out even today from your own spiritual jail cell, if you will, and say yes to Jesus and God's pardon so that you could be set free and go to heaven. The Bible says that if you will confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the grave, you will be saved. Hey folks, if that's you, don't delay. You may not even have tomorrow. Today could be your last day. Please accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Confess with your mouth he is Lord. Believe in your heart that God has raised him from the grave and the Bible says you will be saved. 
Well, this has been Billy Crone of Gill Life Ministries. If there's anything that we could do for you, our information and, and number will come up here shortly. And please don't hesitate to contact us. But remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.